Hey folks, welcome to a very special holiday episode of Beyond the Beaded Curtain. Beyond the Beaded Curtain is a podcast where we step through the vintage VHS store into the back section where they keep the dirty stuff and we watch it and we talk about it with you. I'm one of your hosts. I'm Randy Chardonnay. And I'm Doc Randy Sounder. And I am Monday Blue. Oh, guys. I thought for a second maybe I could pull it off and fake it, like pretend all three of us were here. That would have been pretty cool, right? Would have been uh, sort of like like a Meet the Clumps style farce where it's just me talking to myself, doing all the voices. Don't you love that kind of thing? That would have been awesome. When we started the show or when we were thinking about starting the show, one thing that Monday confided in me was a concern that her voice and my voice sounded too similar. What do you think? Same basic idea? Same basic idea. Yeah, but you can tell us apart more or less, right? You could tell that it was not her, but me doing all three voices. That was kind of insulting, particularly to Doc. I think I kind of did a, like a, like a goofy voice for Doc. Sorry about that, Doc. Here's the sad fact. It's just me here. Um, now, of course, I'm in constant contact with Doc and Monday, and they are okay with my plan to change the format of the show. We're going for more of a sort of an annual schedule. We're going to do one of these maybe per year or maybe one every other year, uh, depending on demand. Um, maybe one every third year. That's about sort of what I think the demand level is like, where like uh, the show's up in your feed and you say, oh yeah, Beyond the Beauty Curtain. I haven't seen one of those since... Uh, uh, 2020. Um, I'm in this bit. I'm imagining a person in t- it's 2023. Uh, the world is very different, better in a lot of ways. Uh, but um, they're noticing a new episode of Beyond the Beaded Curtain on their um, iPhone Virtual Boy. It's um, it's a new kind of phone, uh, and they're really excited to listen to it because they haven't listened to one in fully three years, and that's about the dosage uh, that they want uh, for this audio program. But yeah, we're going to go for it. We're going to do, well, by we, I mean um, well, me and my producer, Chrysanthemum, we're going to do an episode and see how it goes. It's going to be shorter than usual because it's just me. And it's going to be worse than usual for the same reason. But, you know, it's it's Christmas time, right? So let's do a holiday episode of Beyond the Beaded Curtain. I was thinking about this, uh, sort of the relative horniness of uh, different holidays. And let me see what you think about sort of my my ranking of them. Okay, so... I'm going to say Christmas, most horny holiday. I know that a lot of you might be thinking Valentine's Day, but Valentine's Day, that's where you sort of, you prove your love rather than your horniness. You, uh, there's, that's sort of like, I mean, it falls at a weird time, you know, like it's February, it's still winter, it's past Christmas, 
you're just you're just trying to get through it. You're trying to get through till spring, uh, December though, right? Christmas time. Think about it this way: you're barreling toward the end of another year, and it's probably not been great. You know, 2019 is an example, and you're just uh, you and your your partner or partners, or maybe just you and yourself. Uh, you've gotten through it. And you're just celebrating the fact that you made it through another holiday season. And that's when you do sort of the weird stuff, you know, the stuff that um, you really think you need an excuse to ask for. Like, you can't just be like, oh, yeah, it's, um, you know, it's Saturday. So, you know, let's do it. Christmas is when you say, look, baby, I know we only do this once every three years to coincide with releases of my favorite podcast, Beyond the Beaded Curtain. But would you do that special thing, that Christmas thing? So yeah, that's why I'm saying Christmas, the number one horniest holiday. I'm pushing Valentine's Day down to second. And in third place, no, I'm going to rearrange that. I'm going number one Christmas, Number two, New Year's Eve, because let's face it, you have a lot of friends born right around Labor Day, and you've done the math, and you know what is up with that. Yeah, we see you. We see you, Labor Day babies. We know We know what happened. We know what your parents were on about. So I'm going Christmas, horny holiday number one, New Year's, horny holiday number two, because it's sort of, you're getting out of your system on New Year's the stuff that you didn't make happen on Christmas. It's a sort of consolation prize as far as sex holidays go. In third place, I'm dumping um, I'm dumping Valentine's Day in third place because it's sort of like, well, okay, I guess we gotta. Nobody wants to on Valentine's Day. I mean, you want to every day, uh, but it's sort of, it's it feels so compulsory, you know? So that takes a lot of the fun out. So uh, third place, uh, least horny holiday Thanksgiving, um, and uh, I don't know where Fourth of July lands. I think it's really, I think that depends a lot on you. You know what I mean? For some people, it's like I am horny for America, and also uh, potato salad. But I think that one, your mileage may vary with that one. But I did think, since I firmly believe uh, Christmas is the horniest holiday. Uh, that we should go ahead and do a Christmas episode. So I uh, went ahead and found a Christmas movie for us. I thought I was watching a movie called uh, something like um, Romance Under the Christmas Tree. It turns out, uh, for those of you who go on uh, the internet, and I don't suggest it, suggest avoiding it, for those of you who go on the internet and watch movies via means other than sort of official channels, you will often find files are not labeled correctly. I remember in college, I would download movies all the time. Um, this was this was a long time ago. The statute of limitations is definitely, definitely over on that. It was fine that I did it. Uh, and every once in a while, you would download a movie. You would think you were getting like, I don't know, like, um, let's see, I should pick something recent so it seems like I'm younger uh, than I am. Okay, so you would go and you would try, you'd say you were downloading a copy of, say, Frozen 2, a movie that was out when I was in college, and instead you'd start playing. It would be like a weird, like, 70s Swedish erotica. 
that is a thing that happened to me um except for the frozen two part uh, i made that up but um the swedish erotica part that definitely did happen that's probably pretty fun right like finding just weird movies and changing the name and and sharing them on on kazaa or whatever that's right i mean a kazaa reference uh but anyway, um, what happened in this case is the real name of the movie is the uh, is Living Doll. Uh, the movie is not called Romance Under the Christmas Tree. This is sort of what I'm going to call a Christmas adjacent movie from 1987. No one really talks about the fact that it's Christmas. It doesn't really have a Christmassy moral. Um, the music is not particularly Christmassy, except for in the most sort of like tangential kind of like it's bad music and Christmas music is also usually bad so in that sense it's kind of like Christmas music Uh, but there is definitely a Christmas tree and some Christmas decorations at the toy shop where our film is set so for those of you who are uh, scholars of uh the the adult arts will say um you'll you'll sort of have an idea about this movie based on that year 1987 Uh, so we go through sort of the films that we review for this program they sort of hit a number of distinct eras so your sort of movies in late 70s early 80s those are movies that often sort of had aspirations um, movies that sort of wanted to be sort of dirty versions of proper Hollywood films. So they might like do some shooting outside or might actually have some people in the movie who end up not having sex with each other, who are just there to kind of fill out the story, multiple locations, some kind of plot elements, something along those lines. So schools can be pretty entertaining and very surprising uh too the sort of mid 80s kind of era this is the sort of uh, vhs market this is the classic go through the beaded curtains pick a tape off the wall uh these are movies not uh not that these are movies that no one ever thought we're going to be in a theater. No one ever thought they're going to do anything but play on uh, on VHS or beta um, VHS in in the home, and they were done really on the cheap. So we're talking like one or two sets, typically really low rent. Uh, probably nobody in the movie who's uh, who appears at any point is not eventually going to have sex with someone else or several someone else's before the movie ends. So it's, it's sort of, it's not quite like a sort of a, a more modern take on the genre where it's just sort of like full on gonzo and like, these people are going to have sex. The camera starts, there they go. Um, but there's not a lot of connective material to kind of link the scenes. And the connective material that there is, is not acted very well. It's very much like the people are reading their lines off of cue cards and only got one take. Uh, anyway, I'm um, living doll it inverts the sort of typical Pinocchio story in a just fascinating way. Um, we've got a couple of folks working at a, a toy store, Bobby and Len, uh, played by, uh, let's see, Bobby is played by Amber Lynn, and Len is played by Randy Paul, one of the many 
many, many Randys here in the classic porn universe. Anyway, they work at this toy store. Uh, Randy is convinced that the toys maybe are alive, and uh, he's right. They definitely are. You know, these uh, toys are getting more and more real every year. Like the telescope. Uh, it's a toy, but I, I bet if I hooked it up right, I'd be able to see Uranus. Lan, you know, you're such a little boy. I mean, come on. If you're really as horny as you appear to be, why don't you just ask me to fuck you? Of course I'd say no, but at least you would have had the courtesy of asking me. We alternate back and forth between the folks working at the toy store and a couple of customers who, who pop in and the truly erotic adventures of the toys. It's So in Pinocchio, of course, Pinocchio wants to be a real boy in Living Doll. Randy Paul really wants to become a doll, and he gets his wish, and he brings poor Amber Lynn along as well. Um, too bad for her. Uh, sorry about that. Uh, you're a doll now. Uh, you had a cool job at a toy story. At a toy store. Oh, man. Um, do you like how I slipped up and said toy story? Because that's obviously that's obviously what you're thinking about. This movie, uh, very clearly the basis for the film Toy Story. That's hard to say. Uh, that Toy Story is kind of a, a non-erotic version of Living Doll in a lot of ways. That's not true. I can't really remember what happened in Toy Story, but it's you know it's the same sort of thing. Uh, when people aren't watching, the dolls have rich inner lives, uh, or at least they do have sex uh, with each other. Um, so we've got your just a classic assortment of dolls. We've got Ken. We've got Barbie. Um, there's a sold well, there are two soldiers, a sort of a GI Joe type, and one like kind of nutcracker uh, looking guy, a ballerina doll. Um, a teddy bear. We're going to have to talk about the teddy bear a fair bit. That's um, hard, hard to make a teddy bear sexy. Um, a robot. Am I looking, leaving out anyone? Probably. But that's the main. That's the main cast of characters. Real, real motley crew. Uh, there are no motley crew dolls. So things get started with uh, the folks working in the toy shop having a little bit of back and forth. It is not particular and particularly entertaining. And then we move on to some of the toys. Uh, things uh, things get started uh, with Siobhan Hunter and Joy Silvera. Joy Silvera, uh, a repeating character here in our, in our little show, makes many appearances in many of our movies. Uh, he plays the sort of nutcracker-looking soldier, uh, and so it's the, the nutcracker-looking guy and the ballerina doll kick things off. And I got to say... Uh, their scene is very long, and I don't feel great about Joey's makeup. He's got a sort of like red nose, rosy cheeks kind of thing happening, and it's not great. It's not sort of, um. well, when I'm thinking about sort of uh, sex, let's just say, I'll just put it when I think about sex, put it that way, as directly as possible. I'm not thinking about a lot of face paint. The, the two things don't go together great to me, um, particularly the sort of the classic red rosy cheeks. It's more of a sort of children's Christmas pageant kind of look, and I don't care for it. It's also a very long scene. It's one of those scenes where um, 
well, I don't know. Maybe I'm just maybe I'm just a prude, but I just I'm kind of like I get it already. Okay, yes. Let's. Uh, you're checking your watch. You're eating your popcorn. You're you're shuffling your feet. Like, all right, Joey, isn't that about enough? And then eventually it is enough, and you're sort of glad that it's done. Uh, the best part of the movie uh, comes right after that. Uh, Nina Hartley, um, another frequent frequent uh, topic in this program shows up shopping for Christmas or I'm going to say Christmas presents. I don't know. No one ever says Christmas in this Christmas music, this Christmas movie. She shows up and uh, she's flirting pretty heavily with Randy Paul there, the poor toy shop guy. And he is just not getting it. He's been pretty dense about it and it's pretty great. I really appreciate her just absolute going for it total commitment, total enthusiasm, and Randy Paul is just just a zero. You know, uh, you uh, look kind of familiar. Yeah, uh, we went to high school together. No kidding. You went to Nixon, huh? Yeah, I, I had you in biology. God, everybody had me in high school. Sorry, I don't remember. <laughs> that's, that's not what I meant. I, I do remember your reputation. <laughs> I deserved it. I sucked more cocks and had more stiff ones shoved at my pussy than every other girl put together. Huh. Married life is different, though. The same cock all the time. Nothing but same cock. Yep. Must be nice. Do you think Randy Paul is related to Rand Paul? Or Ron Paul? I'm going to have to think about that. It's very possible. It's extremely possible. And I would even say maybe likely. Anyway, uh, Nina is Hartley is eventually successful in, in uh, getting uh, Randy Paul to have sex with her. And it's pretty straightforward. I do like the bit where Nina Hartley sort of uh, in the midst of the act goes back and is like, hey, uh, asks Randy for his name. That's pretty fun. Uh, and then as you're watching this, there are a lot of shots that are sort of like almost like point of view shots from a big stuffed giraffe, very, uh, very Toys R Us. I wonder if Toys R Us was involved in this production at all. Probably not. And you see the giraffe is kind of shaking and it seems like a weird bit where like you're, I, I'm usually like when I'm watching these scenes, I am trying to think of something or trying to find something to concentrate on other than the people having sex because that's usually the least interesting thing going on. Uh, and in this case, I'm I'm just totally focused on this shaking giraffe and it's not like their movements are bumping the giraffe. Uh, you're sort of like, they're over there and the giraffe's moving and the giraffe is, why is the giraffe doing that? And pretty soon it becomes clear uh, that all of the toys are getting really into this. Uh, the giraffe is, this giant stuffed giraffe is horny. The other toys are also horny. And what began as a really kind of a snooze of a scene really sorts, sort of wins me over all thanks to the, the uh, other toys in the toy shop really getting into it. Not so bad. 
And then uh, right after that, we have uh, G.I. Joe uh, having sex with a robot, the robot uh, played by Sharon Mitchell. Uh, She's probably my favorite performer in this movie. Uh, And a lot of that is the robot voice in the robot's wig. I do love a wig. I'm more man than you can handle, babe. I had toys like you for breakfast. You could not satisfy me with a 10-inch ball. <laughs> I could fuck you silly with one ball tied behind my ear. Anybody got some rope? Is that a challenge? Could be. I just hope your batteries are fully charged, babe. (laughs) No fair electrocuting. Uh, Now you know something new about me. Uh, If you really want to get my attention, just go ahead and wear a wig with extremely severe bangs. Like real, it's just razor cut bangs on that wig. That's, um, yeah, daddy-like. I'm going to have to decide whether to leave in the fact that I just said daddy-like about a wig on a robot. Uh, speaking of daddy, um, Herschel Savage uh, plays G.I. Joe, uh, and he's got a real sort of Daddy Castro vibe is what I'm thinking. He's got sort of, he's got a Castro hat, and I just I just feel like that's what kind of what he's going for in that. Like, what if Castro were just a thick daddy? And that's sort of that scene. Um, so Castro and a, a robot uh, have sex. One thing I couldn't help but know, I couldn't help but uh, bring up in this scene is that we first see um, Daddy Castro. We see him in kind of you know military regalia, army boots, pants, jacket, hat, etc. And then we see him in just the hat and the boots. So a thing that happened on the set was in between scenes, Herschel went ahead, stripped naked, but put the boots back on. And I just, I don't feel great about that. I don't care for it. It's it's more work to make things worse. And I don't, I don't love it. Uh, I feel like this scene was supposed to prove something about robots and whether they're good at sex or not. Uh, we all know that robots are great at sex. I don't, understand why this movie thought that there was any question about that and then we move on and uh, the next scene is Shanna McCullough another um, just frequent frequent uh, uh, part of our world here on Beyond the Beaten Kurt Be- Beyond I can't even it's been so long since I've done this show uh, that I can't even say it right I do think I still have my my sexy podcast voice that I have not used lately. I don't use it much in real life. Uh, but my pronunciation, not great of words and so on. Uh, Shannon McCullough, uh, Siobhan Hunter, uh, and Ken, played by Steve Drake. Uh, they get into it. Uh, the um, So, one, so Siobhan, um, she's the ballerina from the first very long scene and Shannon McCullough is playing a teddy bear and it's uh, it's not great they decide that things are going rough for Ken a sort of subplot in this movie is uh, get this ironic twist if dolls are coming to life and fucking at the toy store wouldn't you expect that Barbie and Ken would be like the craziest the most into it the most enthusiastic uh, despite the fact that they're 
elbows and knees don't bend, also despite the fact that canonically they do not have genitals. Uh, That's a fact. Um, Well, this movie kind of ruins your childhood because uh, in this movie they they do have genitals, not very realistic. Weird casting, uh, casting uh, people with genitals to play these characters, but what are you going to do? So anyway... uh, uh, the teddy bear and the ballerina are feeling bad for Ken. So like, oh, well, Barbie's not going to have sex with you, so oh, we'll have sex with you. And they do. But Shanna, let's let's talk about this teddy bear thing you have going on. She's got teddy bear ears, and it's exactly like she's sort of a sexy Ewok. Think about that for a little bit. And I don't know what your relationship is to, to the Ewoks. Um, I would say they're probably not for me as far as Star Wars aliens go. I don't think they make it into the top five in terms of sexiest for me. I'm not going to give you my specific top five ranking. I'll let you think about that uh, for yourself. Uh, and, you know, um, uh, Ponder it for a while. Uh, maybe confer with religious authorities. Just uh, do what you will. Um, but yeah, not top five for me. And also, uh, Shanna has like a painted nose and sort of like a mustache. I'm not sure what the mustache is about. Does not make her look more like a bear and it also does not make her look more sexy uh to me uh it's sort of it's a little bit like you know when you watched that movie uh shakespeare in love and uh she's got the they're making out and she's still wearing the mustache for reasons i forget but there's definitely like a mustache on mustache scene and you watch that and you're like i'm feeling just some complicated feelings now oh it's sort of that kind of deal only it's sort of like an ewok uh just uh doing it and it's not it's not great my one real complaint about this movie is uh, there's this pretty kind of typical old porn racist trope where pretty much if you're going to see a black man in an 80s porn movie, it's going to go one of two ways. Either it's just his existence is sort of um, uh, deeply taboo, just like the fact that a man of color is in the movie. It's just like, oh my God, uh, he's having sex and everything. It's We're supposed to be sort of shocked by his mere existence. Uh, or it goes the way this movie goes, where he's just like this, this jack-in-the-box jester character. He's the one person in the movie who doesn't have sex with anyone. He does these, just even for 1987, when people hadn't really figured out rap yet, these are bad raps. Uh, I think... And assume they were sort of made up on the spot, and also he's uh, he's 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 doing these uh, he's doing these these um, these rhymes while all the white cast members clap on one and three, and even suggesting that they're clapping on the wrong beats is maybe too generous. That's uh, sort of they're clapping in the vicinity of one and three, and it's a bad scene. And now the witching hour is here again, the toy store playtime scene. All the toys are gathered around, checking out the new toys that have been found. There's Barbie's cousin and one for Ken, two new dolls called Bobby and Lynn. There's Barbie's cousin and one for Ken, two new toys called Bobby and Lynn. Hey! So, anyway, the magic guy in this movie is... uh, 
played by Jack Baker, the Jack in the box. He is literally in the movie, a man named Jack who mostly performs from inside a box and he appears in the toy shop and he, uh, he's shopping for toys and he overhears, uh, the toy shop folks arguing with each other, learns that, uh, Randy Paul's character wants to become a doll. And he's like, Hey, I have magical powers, right? Why don't I just magic them into Toyland? And uh, so he does. Very easy for him. It's uh, I don't know if he has other magical powers. His main thing in the movie, besides the bad raps, is um, popping out of a box and giving people blankets, uh, I guess, to have sex on. It's not really necessary. They seem to do fine without the blankets. But he is the provider of them. So yeah, um, Amber Lynn and Randy Paul get magicked into uh, the toy uh, zone there. Um, so we have two sort of concurrent scenes going. Their transition from uh, from being regular people to being dolls, uh, inter- interacting with, by which I mean having sex with other dolls, they take it very well, not really bothered by it, not really planning ahead very much, thinking about the lives they left behind. Uh, seems rather consequence free. Uh, and then at the end of these two kind of like, it's kind of a whole doll orgy, uh, Ken and Barbie finally get together. So that's nice. You know, you knew it was going to happen eventually. Finally it does. Uh, it's not great. You just, you knew it was going to happen and it does happen. And then you say, Oh, that happened. And then, uh, if you were worried that Amberlynn might be upset that she sort of got, uh, Uh, turned into a doll, sort of like collateral damage, you know, caught in the magic zone that Randy Paul desired. Um, No, she's not worried about it. She's fine with it. And uh, the two of them have the last scene of the movie together. Uh, They couldn't consummate things when they were both humans, but now that they're dolls, everything is so very different. They're much more attractive. They're the same level of attractive. And uh, they, they do it, and that's the end of it. One little um, pickup scene at the end is just Nina Hartley walking into the toy store and it's not locked and she's trying to buy toys, but there's no one there to sell toys because they are dolls now. And so she leaves. And that's pretty much all there is to the movie A Living Doll from 1987. Um, That's about it, yeah. It's not terribly Christmassy. Uh, we don't really learn a lesson. Some people turn into dolls. Some dolls turn into people. Well, they have sex. Uh, and there's a Christmas tree. And a lot of um, horny, um, one horny giraffe. Uh, just like most Christmases. Like if you go, I mean, it's a typical nativity scene kind of deal. You've got the um, the manger, the wise men, uh, the horny giraffe just sort of lurking in the background. It, typical Christmas stuff. So thank you so much for um, checking out this sort of experimental episode. Um, that is, and thank you especially if you did listen to the whole thing. Um, so I know... I can't stand just being in my own head, thinking my own thoughts for 30 minutes. And so the idea of anyone else doing that on purpose is uh, 
That's rather funny to me. It sounds basically impossible. I do want to go ahead and rate this movie. I'm going to kind of nail down the rating scale now that this is, it's a different show. It's a different time. Uh, we're still going to rate in terms of ferns. I'm going to do a simple five-point fern rating system. Uh, one or two ferns is a hard uh, warning, basically. Do not watch under any circumstances. Three or four ferns is a sort of soft avoid like yeah it's not good but what are you gonna do five is not so much a recommendation but a sort of um me saying i'm neutral on it like i won't i'm not explicitly telling you not to watch it if i rate it five ferns i'll give this a three so that's a sort of soft no uh it's probably the most common recommendation that i'll ever give on this program no, don't watch it. It's not worth it. Other than the parts with Nina Hartley are funny. And I like that wig. And that is really absolutely it. So three ferns. And I do want to clarify because um, I'm concerned that people might think that I'm telling you to watch some of these films. I know it's kind of common on for bad movie podcasts. Uh, sometimes you feel like, oh, I should watch the movie and then I'll have a better understanding of what the hosts are talking about. And I just don't think it's worth it, at least not in, in with these movies. I, I want to say don't watch them. You don't have to. I watched them. So it's not necessary for you to do. I've sort of... Uh, I'm here to answer your questions, let you know what you are not missing. And I say this because I have gotten a couple of letters uh, fully one year after I stopped doing this program. That's, of course, when I start getting some some fan mail. And I do want to be specific. These are snail mail, like U.S. Postal Service handled this actual uh, letters on actual paper uh, rather than what I want, which is um, tweets to at Dirty VHS on Twitter or iTunes reviews. Uh, the thing about letters in the mail is that it means you know where I live and it sort of feels like a threat that you are thinking about moving in um, maybe popping over, trying to watch one of these movies with me. Um, and I, I don't, I'm not comfortable with that. I just, it's not what I, I want to happen. I don't want to watch the movie at all. And I certainly don't think you should be watching it. But what I do want you to do is, um, just have a Merry Christmas. Uh, and, you know, um, think about toys and whether, uh, they're going on adventures when you are not paying attention to them. And most important, I want you to think about whether or not they're all having sex with each other. And I want to tell you that, yes, yes, I think they are. And I think they're enjoying it. And I think that's beautiful.